0: More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at Sojourntulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. Well, it is uh, good to be back with you guys. Um, We are going to be turning into uh, the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Really great book. It's one of the uh, what they refer to as the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote to um, Timothy and Titus. And um, so we'll be uh, camping out at uh, Second Timothy chapter 2. It's also one of my favorite sections. Uh, it was one of the sections that um, when a guy, a couple of guys, uh, Steve Shadrach, who founded uh, Student Mobilization, Stumo, and also the traveling team, a missions mobilization group, Um, shared the vision of discipleship with me. It's one of the second verses, kind of the the second main verse that really opened my eyes to um, this idea of disciple making. Um, And I just thought, man, no matter where I go on the planet, no matter where I live, geography-wise, and no matter what I'm doing vocationally, man, I could do this as a lifestyle. No matter what job I'm doing, no matter where I live, I could do this, and so you're going to see, hopefully, later on why that applies. Um, and so it's not something that's usually, sadly, it's not a focal point. When I saw this from from Steve and from a guy named Sean, um, I just thought, why was not this not what our youth group was? And not like, and we had a great fun youth group, but like I was like, why was this not what kids were taught from 14 to 18? Like it shows you you can follow Christ and have something to live for that's so much bigger than yourself. Um, and so, um this is one of my favorite little sections, a little section of this. Um, and uh, so as we've been going through this this whole um, sermon series, Train us for Eternity, um, we, we've been thinking about just kind of going back, going back and grabbing some stuff that maybe we've we've accidentally dropped, um, stuff from church history, maybe stuff from our personal lives, as far as devotional stuff. With the Lord, and so we're going back and grabbing some things that we should be using, but we we've kind of maybe forgot, or we have laid it down for a season, and we we need to be remember and pick that back up and start using it again. So that's if you remember, that's what we've been looking at at train us for eternity. This is not our home; we are sojourners here. We're, we're, some of the things that we're practicing now, we want to we're going to do those for all eternity in heaven right? And so we shouldn't get to heaven and be just shocked, like, oh, I didn't know he was going to be here the whole time. Oh, we're going to be singing worship. Oh, there's great meals. Oh, also we're working. And so remember, work is not a part of the fall. It was before the fall, and we'll be working in heaven. So it's not your greatest fear in mind of like, are we really going to stand through like a one billion year like worship service, just like staring at this thing? And so like, is that going to be it? No, it's it's going to be incredible, um, beautiful life, including work and worship. And food and relationships, and so um, if you guys remember on that idea of going back, do you guys remember the cultural phenomenon that hit a few years back? Um, Cam Newton started it. Does everyone remember what Cam Newton started? It's huge. No, Coach McCoy does the dab. So does everyone remember the dab? Remember that? So our boys, God, they were at ages that they're, they're they're like just burning in their seats at this point but but everywhere we went these little boys you know I think they're like three five and seven or five seven and nine or whatever so everywhere we went everyone's doing the dab and so like we're walking on the mall and so you got these kids and they're just doing walk in and they're they're hitting people they're not aware of other people so people are walking and they're just doing it like I'm sorry stop it stop it you know this is the fifth time in stores knocking stuff off because like stop it we're, we're paying for that. It's broke now. At the ta- I can't tell you how many times at the table, literally, you know, just like one does not So they start trying to do, and then they started doing like, you know, techno version, let's change up the dab. And so knocking drinks off, not spilling stuff. And, you know, you're out to eat with people and you're like, we're, we're cleaning up a mess because of the dab again. And so we did find out what would stop it and shut it down. It's when Jamie and I decided we're just going to start dabbing out in public. So walking down the mall, if the boys are doing it, okay, we'd get in front of them and start, we'd start just doing this. And, you know, people think you've got Tourette's or think, people think that you've got, you need some medication when adults are walking and they just start doing this thing. And so that shut them down to where they're like, we're not dabbing anymore. Stop it. Mom, dad, stop it. Like, okay, that's what it feels like. And so, um, we're actually thinking about implementing again this week while we're with the boys and just randomly doing it just to embarrass them as we're talking to people, just break into the dab. And so, uh. This is, as we think through, going back and picking up something that we need to implement. Um, what are some things that that we've wanted to look at that we need to be doing as Christians that sometimes we lay down and we just kind of forget and we no longer use it? And so... Um, Um, This is a beautiful section. Andy did a great job last week on this idea of training us for eternity, talking about um, speaking the truth in love. So if you're here, if you're listening online, um, just that idea in uh, Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, so it's joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so this idea, the end result is there's maturity and growth, and we're all loving disciples of Christ, right? Um, and the way that works is if every individual part of the body performs its function. And so that doesn't work. Um, Andy uh, brought this out in that exhortation from Paul um, that and I think the statement was: you can have all the right body parts available. So think through that. All the right body parts are here, but be in a coma. So think through that medically. He had said that you know, in, in the medical field, all the right body parts are there. It's just in a coma. And so I think what happens sometimes is um, we, as a church, operate like that. The body parts are there, and God had purposes for the body for each one, so the priesthood of all believers. But sometimes you've got parts that are just just in, in uh, atrophy, and parts that are just in a coma. And I think overall, generally speaking, uh, you've seen the 60% that kind of exited the church, 65% that just haven't come back yet. Some of those just aren't believers, right? Um, and so then you see the ones that are there. So the body parts are there now, but sometimes we're still in a little bit of a coma. And, and anyone feel like the last couple of years, just spiritually speaking, It's felt like you've been coming in and out of a coma, just maybe like you know, maybe, maybe there's some light, and we take a couple of steps, and then it's like kind of just this, you know, another situation, another more bad news from media, more bad news from the government, more bad news from the world, more bad news from, uh, you know, medical stuff going on. So we had all these things. This coma may have been induced by several factors. So so COVID, obviously, a uh, uh, global pandemic, the cultural reactions to COVID, because in some parts it wasn't as bad as others. And so just the cultural reaction. Some people may be overreacting, some people underreacting, some people don't know what to do in the middle. Just our cultural reactions. Political upheaval, race and ethnicity upheaval, uh, church and corporate scandals. We've seen uh, leader after leader after leader fall. What does that do for young people? Uh, even people in their 20s, but even younger than that, when you see these people that have these high positions, they're supposed to be leaders that we're pointing to and they keep falling and falling and falling. Man, it, it just it just builds a lack of trust. What can we put our hope in and trust in if we can't if we can't see people that have integrity? And so um, uh, corporate scandals, uh, lack of trust in institutions like the government governmental leaders, the church leaders, um, financial recession. Everyone's thankful for that. Everyone's talking about the gas prices and the home costs and all those things, Uh, the grocery prices. So a a recession, some of the worst uh, uh, economic standings in some areas in in 20 or 30 years. Um, And so all of those things, it creates a lingering, subtle erosion at our thoughts of stability and our views for the future. And so we need hope, and we, we can't just hope for hope um, we, we need someone who provides hope. And so that's why we, 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 this idea of training us for eternity was, let's let's go back to the basics. We need our union with Christ. Um, and so thinking through those things. So um, it can feel like we're going in and out of a coma spiritually. So what can we do in seeking renewal and, and seeking spiritual health, faithfulness, and soul renewal amidst all these? We, we, we go back and grab some things that we should have been doing. And so the, what's today, the third? I put online on Slack, um, July 1st, if you wanted to start, um, McShane's reading plan. So if that's available, and there's some back there on the stand, if you want that just to kind of, hey, it's July 1st. Um, God's not mad because you missed July 1st and 2nd, and it's, today's the 3rd. If anyone wants to pick that up, or if you have your own reading plan, it's just a time to just go, hey, let's, let's seek renewal. Let's seek soul rest. Um, and so we need a reset. We need a, a refocus. And so the reminder is, train us for eternity. What does this look like? Um, we looked at those aspects of know yourself and know the Bible. And I think maybe later on today, I'll bring out how, where we're at now, um, why that mattered to, to get that first out there, to get that idea of know yourself, be aware of yourself, and how the doctrines apply in your life. Also, we talked about soul health spiritual renewal found in Sabbath rest that we learned after a couple of weeks, oh, Sabbath rest is in all that Christ accomplished in my place. Um, we looked at biblical growth and maturity through intentional loving truth, um, being biblical and loving, and Andy tied in with that for the body of Christ in Ephesians. So, so how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, we want to look now today at this idea of the church body. Now, where, where does Paul get a little more specific on what that would look like? And so in this, he's going to give a model that he learned from Jesus and that Paul applied in his own life. So if you're thinking, man, if there's some things I can learn from Jesus, not only the truths he taught, but also the model that he lived out. And so we're going to see that you've probably heard about the with him principle. Those 12 disciples, they were with him all over the place, in all kinds of scenarios. So to, to make disciples and to see growth in the body, one of the aspects Paul's going to bring out is the model of Jesus and then also the model that he lived out. We're going to see that in 2 Timothy. Um, I have a thing on my uh, wall, a couple of things. But, um, so and let, me, let me go back. So today, the, the main thing I want you to consider is this idea of invest in a few. Um, Sojourn Church. We can't change all of Tulsa. We, we're not responsible for, for way over in East B.A. We're not responsible for way out in Bigsby. We're not responsible for um, you know, Sepulpa and all those things. But we are responsible for where our lives sit and, and where, where your neighborhood is and the community of people around you In a way where we should be a faithful gospel presence, right? We we can't change all of that, but we could say, God, we want to be faithful with the people that you've brought right in front of our eyes, Um, and so we want to do that. So I want you to consider this idea: invest in a few. So maybe at the end of this, for you to be praying through one to two people, and ask the Lord for this. And you you may you don't have to pray; it's always kind of a good idea. But but just if two people that you've known for a while. Like maybe coworkers or someone that comes in your life. Maybe it's a neighbor that you've kind of had some conversations with, an acquaintance. Um, for you young people, man, sometimes it's, it's 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 just you having one other person or two other people that you could say, hey, let's get together like every ten days or maybe once a week or every every twice a month, and let's just read a little bit of, of scripture and, and pray and, and talk about that scripture and how that fits in our life. And so just a simple thing, invest in a few, one or two people. So at the end, I want you to think through that, consider that. Um, in, my, in my office, I have this um, piece of paper, and it just says this, and there's a slide up there, it just says, I'm currently spending my life on blank. And the blank is purposeful because I need to consider as I'm leaving out, here's this day, some days I'm, I'm not really dealing with a lot of eternal things. Some days, even though I'm dealing with a lot of people, My mindset is not remembering eternal things. Um, It's not thinking through, man, am I being loving? Am I trying to honor Christ? Am I trying to show them Christ? Am I trying to um, live the way Christ would have me live and challenge them to live through that? Some days, I'm just kind of in task-oriented stuff. And sometimes we have to do that, right? There are certain times when we're just doing things, but if we're not careful, you know what we're doing? I am spending this day, I'm spending my life on... Working for retirement, There's no guarantee for retirement. It's a beautiful, wise thing, and you should be wise with your finance. But like, it's not. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. You heard of car wrecks, cancer, strokes. So, so, so don't spend all your time. You know, uh, I hate seeing some of the guys that I had met with uh, since we moved to Tulsa, and even beforehand, who were just like, man, they were killing it financially. But they were working 80, 85 hours a week, and you ask them, is it like your boss forcing you to do that? No, we're just, we got four kids, and I'm, I'm trying to have 80000 for each kid once they hit college. Like, but you don't take vacations? They don't see you on Saturdays? You don't get home till eight at night, and your boss isn't forcing you to do that? Maybe you need to reevaluate. I'm spending my life on, oh, my kids' college education. I hope that works out. There's some of us who just aren't going to be able to do that, you know. Just like, sorry, you know. Like, I hope you can get some scholarships on some things, but like, I'm not going to have eighty thousand to hand you, right? And so, um, I'm spending my life on what is it? So I, I put that just so I'll see that repeatedly. Um, and 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 here's a statement that's it's helpful. Sometimes the most difficult thing is to start doing that which you've known all along. You should have been doing. Working out, being healthy with your body, anyone? Sometimes the most difficult thing is just to take that first step and just start it. You don't have to, and I'm the worst because I I, I want like the the 100% plan, like the the, the, the 120 day plan, like in day one, here's the whole workout regimen. And so then it's like, you know, three months later, like, man, I remember that sheet I started. I never just took the first step. Like, there's the weight room, there's the stuff, there's the bike, there's the outside. Just go do it. Just take a step for 20 minutes. That's better than six months later going, man, where's where that workout plan? Sometimes the most difficult thing is just to start that which you knew you were supposed to be doing all along. It works financially. It works just for your mental health, for your emotional health. It works uh, relationally. You know what? Uh, I had this thing happen, and I need to go and talk to those people. Just do it. Sometimes the most difficult thing is just going and talking to them and, and, and opening up that conversation. Um And also, it happens spiritually. We all know we're supposed to make disciples, but we really don't know what that looks like sometimes, or we just won't take that first step. And so, um, we're going to see that today. So, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2. Again, this is one of my favorite little sections. Um, And so, um, we're going to read 1 through 7, but we're going to mainly focus on uh, the the main aspects of 1 and 2 there. So, um, you then, my child... This is Paul speaking to Timothy. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Father, we thank you that you do give understanding. We pray that now as we go through your word and look at this aspect of um, investing in a few, uh, of having our life to be life on life with others, with Christ as the center where that would multiply loving disciples, as Andy brought up last week, where we are able to lovingly speak the truth in love, that it would grow us and mature us into more Christ-like conformity, that we wouldn't be a whole bunch of um, just thinkers, but that we would be loving heart people also, that we would be people that um, do take action, and we are obedient to your great commission, that we're obedient to um, the great commandment of loving you and loving others. Father, we pray that you would allow us to understand what that looks like practically with the people around our lives, who we are investing in, and who is investing in us, setting parameters for that, God. And we pray that all of that would be done through the power of the Spirit, that we're going to see here, our union with Christ is where all that flows out of, as Paul tells Timothy here. So would you give us understanding, just as Paul directed Timothy? You said that you would do that, and so we trust in you for that. In your name we pray, amen. So as we start out, just that first thing, I want you to see the first thing. And I don't do this a whole lot, so some of you guys that love um, outline form, um, sometimes Paul does give very clear outline, just so you'll know. Um, sometimes people, I think, try to force a form on Paul. Paul can be linear. Paul can be very circular when he does the comma and da-da-da-da-da and phrases and phrases and phrases and phrases, and he comes, and you're kind of like, what, what did he start saying? What was the command at first? And so he can be circular. He can also be very linear. And so um, in this, I want you to see the, this, this outline form of the source of Paul's faithful ministry. So the first thing, the source of Paul's faithful ministry. Um, is grace from Jesus. So as you look at that, notice where he starts out there. And and the first thing under that that main heading um, is the first point is intentional love and intimate relationship. Notice Paul says, you, Timothy, my child. So that's a term of endearment. That's a term of intimacy. So Paul was not the father, actually the biological father. Paul was never married. Um, He didn't have children. So uh, most scholars believe that Timothy was either a couple of different ideas, that he was saved as he went and he is Paul and his crew traveled in and was preaching the gospel in Ephesus or one of the surrounding villages. Timothy and his mother and grandmother gathered in those crowds. Here come Paul and the church planters. They preach the gospel. Timothy gets saved His mother and grandmother had been teaching him the the Hebrew scriptures, and so God used that. What was missing out of the Old Testament? Jesus. Paul comes in and says, hey, all those things that you've been keeping, all those things about forgiveness of sin, all of it was revealed in this guy just a few years ago, Jesus who died on the cross. Timothy gets saved from that. So either through Paul's ministry there or through um, after Paul and them come through, um, it may have been as a church was planted, Timothy was involved and, and heard the gospel preached there. And so Paul is, some people say, is specifically Timothy was in the crowd, probably a teenager at this point, and that he got saved because Paul has a very close relationship with him, and there's a lot of intimacy. So they believe that he was his spiritual father, and just meaning like in the faith, that's my spiritual son. So so notice there, there's some intimacy. There's some closeness. There's care there. He, he doesn't view Timothy as, as a product. He doesn't view Timothy as something that will benefit him. He's, he's going, no, no. Um, we're together in this. I, I love you, Timothy. So notice this intimacy. Um, it, it's not his biological son. Um, now, this section of Scripture is used to speak about multiplication of disciples. And we're going to see that in a second where he's, it's Paul to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, find faithful men, and then the faithful men will teach others also. So you have four levels there. Paul discipling Timothy, Tim, Timothy finding some faithful men, discipling them, the faithful men teaching others also. So the multiplication. Now, Navigators, Stumo, Campus Crusade for Christ, um, traveling team, a lot of missions organizations camp out on this, and they're like, look, if we do this year one, there's four of us, and each one of us, if if you disciple one, you disciple one, you disciple one, I disciple one, year two, guess what? We have eight, right? And, and not just eight converts, but eight growing disciples. Year three, if each one of us go and we each disciple one and one and one and one, we've got 16, right? So year three, we've got 16. So it works um, in in the numbers area. Sometimes some books and some discipleship material leaves out almost the the spiritual component of um, just like, is there love there? And so um, some guys have wrote about this, uh, like having a guy who tried to disciple them, but every week it was just meeting and going through a sheet or going through Ephesians, and really didn't really care about his life. And so some of you may have experienced that. I haven't experienced that personally. I've, I've asked three men to mentor and, or disciple me, and I got rejected all three times. And so um, anyway, let's get past that. And so you know, it was just life situations and things like that. And so, um, but in that, you've got. Um, this situation where there's deep intimacy there. I want you to see that he's loving him. Uh, but, and we don't want to miss the idea of that loving relationship. And so there's closeness there. Um, there, there is, it, does work fi- it does work out numerically, but that's not the goal. The goal is Christ-like conformity, loving and caring for one another. So he, it's his spiritual son of the faith. Um, how many of you guys have experienced this, where people sometimes in your faith family or your community at church are actually, they, they actually know you a lot better. They understand your thinking and your decision making, the way your perspective is on life, much better than sometimes your biological family. I'm not, I'm not a, putting a slam on your family or your parents or your, your siblings or aunts or uncle, but sometimes, like the people that you're in a small group with for two or three years, they understand how you make decisions and how you process stuff, right? And your family's like, You're doing what with your kids? Why aren't y'all doing this? That's ridiculous! You're doing what? And, and, and you just have people. You know, I've had lots of family members, and, and not only on doctrinal stuff like you know, the Holy Spirit and, and tongues and gifts of the Spirit, but also just like thinking about marriage, thinking about uh, raising children, thinking about the church community, and so that, that that all those things. Sometimes you've got people in your group and people in your local community that are a lot closer than 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 your your even sometimes your parents. They understand your thinking. And, and they're, they're, they're going deeper with you. And so, um, so Paul wants us to see the intimacy there. Hey, my son in the faith, here are these things. Um, Paul's using this term of intimacy, deep-rooted Christian love and care and intentionality. That, that's what Christ did with his 12 disciples, didn't he? He didn't come saying, I want 10,000 every Saturday. And I'm going to blow them away with miracles. You guys. And even when the crowds were there, Hey, guys, guys, let's, we've been out here for eight hours. Let's break away. Let's get in the boat. Let's go here. I, I got some stuff I want to tell you guys. I want you to see this. Do you see what's going on with the people's hearts? Do you see this? Do you see how responded? Um, thinking through those things. And so um, that's the first one. And the second thing under this main heading is this, this notice this, this provisional supernatural grace. Paul says, um, my child in the faith, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul's source of being able to do this type of ministry work, multiplying himself spiritually. Um, he points him to the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So it, it's, notice it's provisional, it's for you, and it's supernatural. Grace from Christ Jesus. So um, anyone ever um, had one or two or maybe three Christians that literally drive them crazy? Like Christians that just drive you crazy. So, last week, uh, Andy talked about speaking the truth in love. So, on the count of three, what we're going to do, we're going to practice confession. Practice, you're going to get to scream out the name of two people that just drive you crazy. Christian people that drive you crazy. Ready? On the count of three. One, two. Some of y'all are probably just like, I'm ready. I got, I got the list on my phone. I've got it. Yes, it's Matt saying, Thank you, Lynch. And so, and that's the second part of this. Is you know you're on that list for some people. I just assume I'm on the list for everyone I can, and so that just frees me up just to kind of just this is how I am, and so it just frees you up a little bit, you know, and so um, rough edges and everything, and so um, sojourn. We are we're sojourn in Harbor Network Church. We're a little more gritty. Sometimes, hopefully we have people that have a little more rough edges so it doesn't have to be a conformity to a certain look or a certain, just everything has to be a certain look. You can be yourself and have a lot of differences and variations there and still be loved and accepted and encouraged and supported, right? And that's why I've hit so hard on, let's not worry about all these extreme conformity things. We can have different ways of thinking uh, as long as they're under the gospel. And, that, and also, that, and I, I always need to emphasize that that doesn't mean, oh, we get to cross the line and go into sin, or we get to get as close as we want to sin. That's not ever the point. You never want to be a place where you're trying to emphasize and your identity is based on, we want to be just ex- experiencing freedoms in Christ. No, no. Your union with Christ should lead you to more of a heart of humility and obedience, Right? The more you love him, the more purity and righteousness you're seeking in that. And so um, just realize you're on that list for some people. And so Paul's going, hey, this is going to be really difficult. This is going to be hard. So if you think through that in the church, we've probably all experienced hurts in the church. And so what does he point him to? Not pull up your bootstraps, not wake up in the morning, just determined to ignore what they're saying, sweep it under the rug. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, there is provisional, supernatural grace for you for dealing with the people right around your life. Whether that's church people in your small group, and you drive up and you see their, their car, and you're like, oh gosh, the Lynches are here. Oh gosh, oh, what, what are they going to be? And, and so then you're, you're like, oh, right there, just stop and pray. God, I need provisional grace. Strengthen me in the grace of Jesus Christ that I don't have on my own. So do you see what's happening there? You're confessing that to God. You see the growth? So what are we big on? Hey, we need to have convictions about that. I need to have a conviction that's not about me. He's got grace for me. I'm convicted that I don't act that way naturally. I'm convicted, and I need to change. So I see I need repentance. I see I need confession of that. And I see I need you, Jesus, to help me with that, to love the lynches. Because they're all just pitiful to deal with. And so, and you come out of a group at the end going, hey, guys, Hey, we, had, we, we dealt with the lynches for two hours. A couple of us are bloody and everything, but we love them well, and like we can rejoice, and so there's renewal there. We can, we can be around them for a while. Uh, that's why I do every day as I pull up at the lynch house. And so um, this aspect of provisional supernatural grace is something that's missing sometimes. Um, it's the aspect, uh, notice what Paul's doing here. He's saying, hey, before you get to the imperatives, the commands, the indicative, or what, what theologians call the indicative is you have been changed. Your new identity in Christ, you don't have to treat them the way um, you used to. You don't have to act the way you used to act. The indicative the indicative change is your union with Christ is you have supernatural resources to be able to follow through with the plan so Paul, Paul and God never give commands that they won't supply what's provided for you to obey that. He's not going to give you commands to go live out. So it's this idea... Of being first before doing. But they want you doing, right? That's God's redemptive plan. He wants to get the gospel to people. So um, let me see. um, Let me ask you a question Are you um, connected and abiding in Jesus to get that flow of grace? Because Paul's saying, hey, this provisional grace is available for you. Are you abiding with Jesus? Are you resting in Christ? Are you taking time to think through those things? Are you just going into work situations, family situations, acquaintances, um, kids stuff, church stuff, just on your own strength? So, So now let's think where we're at. We're at this idea of now multiplying our life, life on life living in community. Do you see why we first need to spend some time, hey, be aware of yourself. So let's think through, train us for eternity. Weeks one and two, be aware of yourself and how the doctrine applies. Instead of just, a lot of times in our circles, doctrine, doctrine, go do this. Doctrine, doctrine, go do this. Be aware of yourself. Be aware of how that is um, you, you can have all the knowledge, head knowledge in the world and be a jerk to people. So do you see why we spent some time looking at know yourself and the doctrine? Why that's important? Why I kind of belabored the point of, of spiritual and emotional health, understanding how you are. And I know that in our circles, again, you talk about spiritual, emotional health. You're like, oh gosh, are we going off the slippery slope? Because you're supposed to give us doctrine and tell us what to do. Doctrine and give us a no, no, you need to be aware of how you are. Because if you're going to live this out, what, what, hey, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, faithful men to others also, if you're going to live that out, you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. I used to giggle with college guys when they would think, yeah, yeah, I've been a leader in everything. I can go do this. You show them the vision of making disciples. And like, I want to live my life. And they're like, i got five guys on Monday. i got five guys on Monday, five guys on Friday. And you're like, you're going to fail by the second guy on Monday probably. He's gonna hurt your feelings. You're gonna say something. You're getting fight with them, and like now you're out of discipling because you had one relationship problem, and so you can't do it on your own strength. And we 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 need to remember, be aware of yourself. Secondly, do you see why learning what Sabbath rest is and why that's good for your soul? Try try to do this lifestyle on your own personality, or your own strength, or your own ability. A lot of church leaders, they they, they want to build the church off of their personality, their their speaking ability, their whatever, their their, um, programs and systems and all those things. And so, again, it's the the trellis and the vine. The vine is the living thing. You you need some structures in there, the trellis, but you want to be a living thing connected to the Holy Spirit that he's guiding. Jesus is changing us, not not the trellis. And so we had to think through um, learning to rest in Christ. It's essential as a rhythm that God set forth for us. Do you see how learning and being reminded about abiding in Christ, our union with Christ, so so we were going back and grabbing stuff that we we, we look over. Be aware of yourself. Know yourself and how you're applying doctrine. Are you resting in Christ? Are you abiding in Christ before you go do these things? If you're trying to do it on your own, strength, it's just not going to work. And so I hope you see the reason for that. So, so Paul's main point there is if you skip all those aspects and you go try to do ministry without being dependent and connected to the source, you will not produce the right fruit. So remember John 15? Abiding in Christ. Here's the fruit that's produced. So do you ever see churches? Seems like they're just doing a whole bunch of stuff. And Is it producing? Disciples? Loving disciples who, who truly care about each other, who may disagree on a number of things, but they can still love one another? and disagree, and grow, and all those things. So that's what he's wanting there, and it multiplies. And you're multiplying loving disciples through that. Again, kids, wherever you live, whatever school you go to, wherever job you go to, you can make disciples. Um, You can live this out. Whatever place, geography, location, or vocation, you can do this, whether that's anywhere, and so, um, so now let's look at that. So that's, Paul's pointing to the source, grace in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at the model that he brings up there in verse 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that, so there's your verb, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you've got four levels there, like I brought up. You've got Paul to Timothy. You've, you've seen me. You saw the way I reacted. Hey, you've seen me in a whole bunch of stuff, in fact. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, like a chapter later, Paul, Paul goes on like, hey, Timothy, we've lived life together, right? Um, he said, um, it's, so it's the same book, and he says, in, verse, in this is chapter 3, verse 10, he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. What, what if for a year? Just, just take that little aspect, those words of Paul right there, just those words, and you tied yourself to one person, and you, you said, Man, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, and my aim in life. mean, just that right there, that's a lot. Hey, Paul, you're a loser. Hey, guys, let's grab Paul. Let's beat him down. Let's try to kill him. Like, and how does Paul respond to that? Timothy gets to see how he responds. He just got beat down. And to be honest, I, I said uh, bathroom break. I'm checking out. Just like everyone betrayed Jesus. Like, uh, like yeah, I saw you getting stoned, and uh, we just left. So we come back, and you're still alive, though. We we, we picked you up, took you out of the city. You went on preaching the gospel again. Wow. Why would a guy do that? And So Timothy's getting to see all those things. So you've seen all this about the way I live, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. What happened to me at Antioch? So he he goes with him. So you've seen all that. Remember, this is the same thing that Paul's laying out here is the same thing that Jesus did. The with Him principle. So Jesus had the same uh, type thing where He wanted them to be with Him. Now, if I would just take a quick side note, what was after the fall? What was God wanting to do? What, what, before the fall, what was it? God with His people. God with His people in the garden, walking with them, talking with them. Some people say that's a pre-incarnate Jesus. That doesn't, if that messes with your faith or anything, it wasn't God the Father because God the Father is invisible. He's a spirit, right? So if it was the second person of the Trinity. Visible form that they're walking and talking with. Some people go with that. And so it may be. um, After the fall, what did God immediately start doing? I want to be with my people. I want my people to get me. I want my people to get the reward of me. I'm going to start this redemptive plan. The goal and the tabernacle and the tent, God with us. The goal in the temple, God with us. Jesus coming, taking on flesh, dwelling among us, Emmanuel, God with us. What does he do? To set the pace, to set the foundation for the church, what does he do? I got 12 guys, and one is a liar. But I'm gonna spend my life for three years. I could do miracles, grab grab tens of thousands of people. Nope, that's not the plan. I'm gonna pour my life in to these 12 guys. God with us, Emmanuel. That's what eternity is gonna be like. That's what I want them to see and live like. The righteousness that they see that I'm gonna impute to them later, you're gonna live that out in heaven. The the way that we're not gonna sin, the way that it's all in. imputed to us in heaven, so training us for eternity. God said, what they need for that is me with them, God with them. So that's a beautiful picture of discipleship. Um, So with him, he walked with those 12. He trained them. He he sent them out and engaged them. He he was ascended, and they were like, no, 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 don't leave us, don't leave us. He's like, no, this is even better. I'm going to ascend and go to heaven. I'm sending the Spirit because I'm a physical body now, and I can only be in one place at one time. The Spirit can be indwelling each one of you. So we have Acts 1 and Acts 2. The Spirit's going to come in power, and he's going to be with you, and you're going to be my witnesses. Your life is going to be about me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're in here in Tulsa because of that. So um that's a crazy idea when you think through that. These guys were epic failures. They're fishermen who couldn't fish very well, right? And he has to come and help them. They're guys who live on boats for like 20 and 30 years, and they freak out and get scared on boats, and Jesus has to calm storms. that They can't pour water out of a boot in a lot of scenarios, and God is going, that's my plan. There's kind of a joke. It's not in the Bible, so don't walk away going like, I'm looking this up in scripture, but like uh, there's this joke about, uh, I don't know if it's a joke or just kind of a Little fable that when Jesus ascended to heaven, and he gets up there. That, um, whoever you like to think of the pearly gates, if you believe there's actually this pearly gates that we're all going to stand in line at, um, like a you know, like an eternal uh, a Disneyland ride or something, um, that uh, it'll probably be hot, and it'll be sweaty, and there'll be loud kids all around, and that's going to be like that. And it's just testing me like, saying, Sink, you didn't make it anyway, get out. No, I'm joking, that's the way my mind goes. So, um, they, um, have this story about Jesus getting there, and like, whoever is your guy, you know. Peter or, or Michael or an archangel. And they're like, hey, Jesus, so, man, how'd it go down there? Uh, so at the end, it looked really rough. He's like, man, it went phenomenal. Yeah, the end was rough. And he's like, well, did you think that you accomplished what you needed? He's like, yeah, it worked out perfectly. He's like, you need those guys? Like, those guys? Like, looking from, down, from up here, like, that looks like a mess. He's like, well, what's plan B in case that didn't work out? And Jesus says, oh, there's no plan B. Those, those 11 guys. So think about that. That's you. You wouldn't have chose him. You, you don't deserve him. You don't get to deserve to be in that line. I've seen guys in college that, that, that they were living for the world and living for girls and living for partying and all this stuff, and someone comes and interrupts their life. And they get focused on Christ. And someone starts discipling them. And then they're part of a, a football team or a baseball team or a, a, a intellectual team or they're part of the um, uh, Greeks. And, and so then three years later, here's this guy that's walking across this stage. And so the guy, and he's walking across the stage, and there's this group of four or five guys that start screaming and hollering because, you know what? That guy right there, he impacted my life incredibly. Changed the course of my life. God used him to interrupt my life. Same thing with girls to where um, God interrupted someone's life of living for this other stuff. And this guy shared the gospel with me. I got converted. I became focused on Christ. And now that changed the course of my life. I dropped the, the deadbeat girl I was with. And now I found this woman who also loves Christ, worships Christ, wants to make disciples, is open to wherever God wants to send us. All because God used that person. That's the others also. And so that's what Paul's sharing here. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So you could give your life to that. And it may not be a college stage that someone's walking across. And I've literally just seen guys with tears as the other you know, 40 guys are like, Woo! And we used to puke off balconies together, but you disappeared for two years. You, you found God. And there's a guy standing there with tears running down their face going like, Man, he's leaving. He was in my life for three years. You've got to use him to change the course of my life. Man, those guys, they may be faithful accountants. They may be faithful business leaders. They may be uh, missionaries overseas. There's no hierarchy, but they're part of the, the, the priesthood of all believers who learned how to make disciples. Um, this, uh, this idea, this model of Paul's ministry, life on life, faithful gospel presence, when Paul says, well, you've heard from me, entrust that to faithful men. Um, Howard Hendricks was speaking about this. Howard Hendricks is a, a well-known, uh, great teacher down at DTS, uh, written some books and stuff, great Bible teacher. Um, and, and Tommy Nelson, who founded uh, Denton Bible Church, uh, went down and did an interview with Tommy and, uh, about just discipleship because they founded this church on discipleship, and so um, he, had, I'd heard this in a talk one time of him, but we talked about this, and so he said that this was in in a class in a two minute aside, two minutes, just a little a side note, and 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 Howard Hendricks just said, he said, so what was the goal of the Father and the Son, really, and the Spirit? What what did they leave behind for the church to do? And he said, if we just got real simple, it, 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 if we got it down to the bare bones, it's this. They wanted to see people converted, people committed, and then those same people just engaged. And so um, the idea there, are competent competent in, in, in making disciples and living this faith out. And so he said, if you were to take a helicopter and drop out four people, six people, anywhere in the world, you just drop them out, would, if you come back in five years, would they share the gospel with people, see people saved? Would they grow them and disciple them and then equip and train them to make them competent to go and make other disciples? That, that, that's what he left behind, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So this idea of converted, committed, competent. So so thinking through that, man, are you converted? Are you committed? Are you competent? What if a church, instead of just having, so so programs having a Wednesday night thing is fine, that's good. When churches began to fill up Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday with just a whole bunch of busyness, and it's not producing disciples like that, it's just another event where we go and stand at a table and hand something off or do something. Those are okay if they're your 10 or 15%, but the other part of your church is truly committed growers in the depth of what it looks like to understand Christ and to love Christ and to worship and to learn how to make disciples. So, are you committed to that type of faithfulness? Are you competent? You have a posture and a place for spiritual nourishment. Look in Ephesians 2, beautiful synopsis in 2 1 through 8. Um, so, you know, this famous section, all this is the, this beautiful work of God, but notice what it leads to. It leads to this idea of being competent, equipped. So, it, it covers all three of these. So, first, conversion, and then committed, and then competent to do the works of God. So, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, you were like everyone else in the world. But God, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead, he made you alive together in Christ. It's by grace that you've been saved. And he raised us up. So this this future um, element here, he says, this is not of your works so that no one could boast. So it's not a result of works. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And if you go back to that other part that just talked about, he made you alive. That's tied to that. That made you alive was a supernatural work of God. Holy Spirit comes and breathes new life, opens your eyes, and and along with that package of breathes new life, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stay with you. Abide with me. I'm going to stay with you, and I'm equipping you for works that I have prepared for you. All Like Andy talked about last week, the the, the works that every individual part working and doing its function, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 2 Timothy 3, 16 17. So all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you see, there's this idea of being converted, being committed to Christ and His body and God's Word, and then being competent and equipped, living this out. Um, So so that's the model of the gospel ministry. Um, He says, now, here's where he gets into the, um, the idea of the, the, the uh, intentional process, the vision of disciple-making. So, so this is really easy. Again, here's Jesus with his 12. It, it doesn't make sense. I still today go, I, I think there could have been a better plan. And God goes, oh, really? Let's sit down and talk about that. Are you saying I'm wrong? It's obvious it's the most wise thing that Jesus could do because there was depth there. It, it was beauty there. It, it was not just people lining up. It was people who were in love with him that's why people follow Jesus because they fall in love with him. And so it's that picture of the four levels. Now it does work for number's sake, but what you want is qualitative spiritual health. So uh, if you're meeting with someone, having one or two people that you're uh, meeting with, it's always to the point where it's not just one person pouring in, there's always mutual reciprocal growth going on. Every single person, it could be a 19-year-old or 15-year-old kid that you know you're just like, "Oh my gosh, they are a complete mess like" 10 out of 10 horrible decisions, and like, oh, wow, that was something of beauty. That was a great, beautiful thing that you just said there. God uses that. And we should say in that humble form where we're not going like, oh, they're a mess, they're pitiful, they've still got all these sins, so I'm not going to meet with them. No, nope. that, that's why you're in their life. That, that's why God wants you in there, right? And so I can't tell you, I, I, would do these, I used to do these things where I would do like a two-day um, discipleship training, and so every time we'd have, we'd do them, we'd have, and especially, specifically women would come and they they just respond quicker than men. Women would come, thank you. I'm convicted about this. You're right. I, it's like I said earlier, something that you, you should have been doing all along. I know I should have. I just never knew how. didn't know what steps to take. I'm going to do it. I want to do it. I was like, okay, here's some steps. Pray, ask the Lord to bring that. Then pr- biggest step is you, Lord brings this, these two people to mind, you know, Sam and John, you have to go talk to them you have to go to you know sam and john probably gonna levitate and float over to your house and so you have to go and talk to them like hey um, and you could say i gave them like 10 examples of ways to introduce that because it's kind of awkward um but just like hey uh, man i'm really want to grow in my depth and understanding of god's word i'm really want to grow in my christian walk and i just feel like I, I want deeper community hey would you be willing for just just six months and you just give them an out because six months is you can, you, you can do three months uh, but for six months, would you like to get together? I've got this little book. And don't, don't do it, you know, systematic theology or something. Some small book or like, hey, could we just read the, the book of John? And literally, we're just going to read it, uh, just one chapter, and then on Thursday, we'll meet together, and we'll discuss what we saw in it, what stuck out to us. We're going to read that together, and then we're going to pray for a little bit, and then we're going to talk about how our life is probably not fitting up and how Jesus needs to change us in that. Could, could, would you be willing to do that? Is that hard? Women would do it. Like 99 of 100 would do it. Guess what happens five days later? Sankey, I went and met with this girl, and she's a mess. Oh my gosh. She has, did you know that she is she's staying up late with her boyfriend? She she stays over her boyfriend's apartment till like 2 a.m. So I was I just told God I, I'm not gonna meet with her anymore. What? <laughs> Did you expect Jesus? You, you, you think you're going to meet with Jesus? No, no one's perfect. The reason that you're in their life is, is to see this conformity growth and it takes time. And the hardest thing about discipling is not setting your own expectations that, for them in time, especially time-sensitive, um, that that God doesn't have, because he sure is patient with you, right? And, and wait till you get teenagers. You think you just tell them one or two times that they should, that they should learn this, right? And then you're like, Hey, how patient are you with me this many years later? And so being graceful with that. So there's four levels. And then at the very end, so I hope you see those four levels. So again, that that push for you, consider Jesus' model, Paul's model, and investing in a few. And then notice what he brings at the end. He gives them this, this picture here, Paul's reminder of the process. And I put this up there. This will cost you Um. Paul goes right, so after this, you're like, oh man, Sanky, I'm sold. I want to invest in a few. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to... Better read on. Because he says, no soldier. Ooh, why does he use a soldier and a farmer, a hardworking farmer, and an athlete? No, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete, his second example, is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Um. The hardworking farmer ought to have the same share of the crops. Think over what I say. The Lord will give you understanding. So why does he use those? What percentage of Americans are interested in being soldiers? No, any? Not a whole lot, right? What what percentage of Americans are interested in being farmers? A lot of colleges pointing people that direction. You know, we've got got lots of wide open land up there. Just go north. No. how many people make it to Olympic or professional athlete? level. Less than 1%. So, extreme discipline, learned repetitive obedience, painful sacrifice, practice regimen, appreciation for patient gratification. Paul applies that expectation to the growth of the church, to discipling and maturity in the church. You you want want to do this, Timothy? You want to entrust this to faithful men? You want to find some faithful men? You better think through. This is is the expectation that you better have. It's going to be difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. So I hope you see there, this requires intentional love and intimate relationships, that first point that we hit. I want you to make disciples out of love. I want you to love people, not, not just use them as a product. And I've been around some guys in discipling ministries where they they, they were more proud of their downline and the 50 people that they had influenced or whatever, but they couldn't even remember some of their names. Um, Provisional supernatural grace is there for you. It takes faithful gospel presence, being with them in their life. Um, Intentional living, the process of faithfulness. So again, back to that thing we started with, sometimes the most difficult thing is to start doing that what you've known all along that you should have been doing. So um, we want to become a church like that. We want to become a church where it's not ever built on um, one person or one pastor or uh, even a team of four or five pastors, um, even a uh, leadership of elders, a plurality of elders. It's, it's a priesthood of all believers. To where everyone's learning to do that. And, and, and not having a cookie-cutter mold of that. So some people are like, man, I'm extremely shy. I'm extremely um, just intimidated by people. I, I, I'm not so extroverted. You know, a Tyler can go into any place and just like, he can just like immediately just like, oh, just, just start talking to people. And next thing he's, so good. So many people say like, they use Tyler as a verb. Like, well, I'm not a Tyler. You know, I, I can't tolerate and just like immediately do that. And So, you know, like if you're comparing yourself to that, hey, don't do that. You know, God God, God didn't need you to be Tyler. God God made you to be you, but still be faithful. Be you. One or two people, uh, one person for this next year, for six months that you could just meet with, that's phenomenal. And so what, what did Paul say? You're going to need provisional, supernatural grace to do that. Um, so I'm just asking you prayerfully to consider the aspect of investing in just a few. Pray and ask the Lord for, for one or two people to come to mind and then, if they do, just go and ask them. Like I said, I'm kind of interested in going deeper in this aspect, and that'd be something even beyond your small group time. It will probably help you also identify sin patterns, entanglements of sin or lust or lies or lurking options. Uh, identify fears and insecurities that you use as escape ramps to not do this. Just just confess it to the Lord. By the way, He knows. He, he sees you. He knows the fears. He knows insecurities. He's going, they don't have to define you. Then also identify any wounds or past experience or needs for renewal and healing. In this process, God may begin to renew you and bring some healing in some areas. And so it's a beautiful thing. So this this may be the reset that your soul needs. And this is the idea of just training us for eternity. So let me pray, and we'll um, go to the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you that you do not tell us to go do something, that you don't provide everything that we need for that that you can not only um, provide that grace that we need to overcome fears, insecurities, but you also um, just bring to mind things that we wouldn't even be thinking about because now we're focused on eternal things, that we're giving our life to eternal things. God, would you help us to be a people that that make disciples, not so sojourn turns into a place with lots and lots and lots and lots of numbers. We want to see people converted and committed and competent, but would you turn us into a loving place that is solid on the, its doctrines, but that is also faithful in loving one another well and truly caring about the body, to where like Andy brought up last week, that every individual part is doing its own function in a healthy way. God, we, we pray that you would help us to be that, a place where the truth is applied in a loving way, that we, we, we care for one another in that way. Would you help us to get past those any of those justifying options where we opt out of doing this? Um, we thank you for your spirit that can bring these things to mind. We pray that you would bring certain people to mind that maybe are not even here in our service, that are around our lives, but that you would use to bring in to your family of God. We pray for the lost around us, Father, that, that we know this whole area around us, Father, uh, the, the unchurched, the dechurched, those who have left and never came back from COVID. Um, we pray that you would allow us to have a heart for that, a vision for that, not a vision just for number's sake, but, but a picture of a grand and glorious um, body committed to Christ. We thank you for that as we enter the, the Lord's Supper. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're um, here with us and, and you're going, I, I really feel like, man, this is something that I really want to grow in please feel free to text me or call me if you want some. I have tons of different books that we've used before, um, just simply just Bible stuff. Um, I, I want to I tell you guys openly, um, this has been a huge thing. So twice I'm sitting in Starbucks. So we don't have internet, thankfully. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been bad and good. So we don't have internet, so I'm in Starbucks. And twice I just literally break down. People are sitting there and, you know, they're they're celebrating all the stuff and all the banners are up and all this stuff. And here I am, sitting over in the corner of my laptop because we don't have internet at the house. So we just moved in and we're living in boxes. And um, just because, I mean, um, this has been, uh, this is what Jamie and I spent like 15, 17 years of our life and now we got a church planting thing and this is, it'll be exactly it. And then it's like all the church people were way down here. And so we, I want to confess to you. I feel like I haven't done a good enough job in that. I want, I love you guys. Just, and I feel like we can. We need to get back to that. And man, this has been a huge thing for us getting closer. To that, because we were so far out there, like even small group in gospel communities. But I want you to know that I'm confessing to you that I've, I've made a D on that for two years. It's been this stage in life when you get teenagers. Just remember me saying this now. It, get ready for fifth gear. Like it's a lot. It, it requires a lot. But I want you to know that we are committed to that. That's what this church was founded. God, God laid this foundation, and so that's what we're about. Life on life, and I haven't done a very good job with that. Um, and, and, and part of that, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to abandon Jamie and the boys for the sake of a church and because that doesn't work out well. Then you lose both of those, and there's, there's lots of books on that. But I want to let you know I'm saying, God, I want you to do this inside us, and I'm committing myself to that again. And so I'm so excited. And so literally breaking down twice. And some of you guys were popping up in mind and two different times I'm just breaking down in tears. And I know people are just looking at me like, hey, who's the weird guy over in the corner just breaking down in tears crying? And so that's because of love. And that's what we want to be like. And so I want to let you know, I want to give more of my time for that. Uh, Jamie wants to give more. We're trying to look at what does that look like with her schedule also and stuff. And so um, um, please know that that's what we want this to be founded on, that we want every one of you guys, it's not built on Sankey or Sankey and Jamie. That's you guys. It's a priesthood of all believers doing that, learning how to disciple our youth, learning how to disciple our children in those ways. So as we go partake of the Lord's Supper, if you just go, man, maybe I don't need to partake, maybe I've been I'm not I've been obedient and I know I should have. But you know what? I want to do this as a reminder that Jesus, you are with me in that. The Spirit, you are, you can change me. You can can help me in this. I want to grow in this. I'm fearful, but I want to be obedient in this. With just one person for this next 6 months, this next year. Just think through that. If you if you go into this and you're going man, I just need some time. It's been uh, some, some things going on and I don't need to partake of the Lord's Supper um, because of some things going not sit out. If you're not a believer, you're not converted yet, then, then you do not partake of the Lord's Supper. We guard the table in that and we don't want to trample underfoot what Christ has done with his blood and his body. So let me pray over that. Father, we um, again thank you for just the beauty of what we look forward to face-to-face with Christ, um, walking In eternity. And so we're trying to practice that, training us for eternity. Help us to abide. Help us to bear fruit. That is not about our glory, but it's about you. Help us to bear fruit of the spirit um, of love and kindness and um, all the beautiful things that you would want for us to, to experience as your bride, as a community of faith. Let that be our faithful gospel presence. So as we do the Lord's Supper, would you help us to be reminded of that, we proclaim that. It's not only proclaiming it to our own hearts, but it's also a reminder that we're we're to be proclaiming that to those around us, out in the workplaces, out in our neighborhoods and community, out on the ball fields, um, everywhere we go. We thank you for this time. and we pray. Amen.